What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com, that's patreon.com forward slash baldhead bible, and there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. King Ahaziah lay on his bed, and man, he didn't feel good at all. I mean, he probably had a broken back, or maybe he had busted ribs, or maybe he had some internal bleeding. He was not well. See, King Ahaziah was a bit of a clumsy person. It says in 2 Kings chapter 1 that... I don't know if he was messing with the lights on his summer palace up there by the lattice, or maybe he was putting up some new dish so he could get some good satellite feed for his dish network back in his day or something, but he's on his roof fixing something, or maybe yelling at somebody, who knows, but it says he fell through the lattice. Now, back then, they would often sit up on the roof when it was hot in the middle of the day or or later on in the cooler evening when the wind blew through. Well, again, I don't know if he leaned against the lattice or if he was doing something, but bam, he falls and King Ahaziah hurts himself badly. Now, who is this King Ahaziah? Well, if you remember... We're talking here about the son of King Ahab. Now, King Ahab was the king of northern Israel, and he died in battle. And remember, he was in battle with the king of southern Israel, Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat unwisely went into battle with King Ahab against the king of Syria. Well, in the end, King Ahab gets killed. King Jehoshaphat runs back home to southern Israel. And if you want to know a little bit more about his life, check out our last episode. But Jehoshaphat was a godly king, while King Ahab, he was evil. Because he perpetuated the worship of Baal. And he perpetuated the worship of other gods. Well, when he died, his oldest son, Ahaziah, then becomes king. Well, guess what? Ahaziah had a choice. He could follow 
King Jehoshaphat and follow Yahweh and bring his people back. He heard of the success of King Asa who came before Jehoshaphat and how he had decided to go against the flow of his family which was for the worship of Baal and for the worship of Asherah but instead Asa said I'm going to be different and I'm going to bring us back to the worship of Yahweh and Jehoshaphat his son also came back to the worship of the one true God Yahweh like Israel was supposed to do and supposed to be well King Ahaziah, he could have been different. But just like his dad, the Bible said Ahaziah did evil. And he pursued the worship of Baal. And he pursued the worship of these pagan gods. And he was a terrible king. He only reigned three years. And in the three years, he had Moab rebel and try to break away from Israel. And then on top of that, he's a clumsy king, and he falls through the lattice on his roof, and he ends up hurting himself. And here he is in immense pain, and he's suffering, and and he could have cried out to Yahweh, again, the God of Israel, the one they were supposed to follow. But instead, he calls out to ask for help from a God known as the Lord of the Flies. Would you want to worship a God named that? The God that he specifically called out to was Baal-zebub, or the Lord of the Flies. The God of the Flies. And Baal-zebub was the God in this town southwest of Samaria where he reigned and in this town called Ekron. Well, Beelzebub was worshipped there. And therefore, King Ahaziah, he wanted to know from the closest, biggest pagan deity that he could find, and Beelzebub was a big deal in Ekron, he could have gone to southern Israel and worshipped there and, and asked of Yahweh. But instead, northern Israel, who should be worshipping Yahweh, sends messengers to Ekron, a pagan Philistine city where they worshipped Baalzebub. And Ahaziah sends messengers to Baalzebub. Please, I want to find out. Ask their God, ask this God named Beelzebub, whether I will recover from this sickness. Go, I send messengers, we must find this out. So these messengers go. Well, they're walking along, and then they see off in the distance this bear with, with a belt on and a staff, and nope, nope, they look closer, and they rub their eyes. No, it's not a bear. <gasps> It's just a very, very hairy man. And this very hairy man says, No, you go back to the king and you ask him this question. Is there no God in Israel that you are sending to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Therefore, tell your king he will not get up again and he will surely die. 
So the men look at this very hairy man with a belt of leather about his waist. And they look at him and this guy basically yells at him and says, Hey, is there not a God in Israel? Go back and tell your king. You're not going to inquire of some pagan god, Beelzebub. No, the Lord of the Flies. No, you're going to die in your bed, Ahaziah. So these men walk back and, you know, they weren't gone very long. And they come back, and the king says, Why are you back so soon? What happened? And they tell him, We bumped into this man who told us, and they probably fell to their knees in fear that they were going to get killed at this point, and they deliver this terrible message that the man said, You're going to die because you sought advice and wisdom from a pagan god rather than the one true god. And they kept asking us, Doesn't Israel have a god? Nehaziah probably, you know, rolled over in his bed. He's in pain, and he, and he knows who this man is. He's met him before, and he asks him, "What does he look like?" And the men said, "He was a hairy man." Now the Hebrew there is, "He was an owner of hair." It could have been the fact that Elijah is so hairy, they're like, this was a hairy man. Or some people say he actually had a garment made of hair, sort of like sackcloth to itch because he was in mourning for Israel. I like the idea that Elijah was massively hairy. I just think that's cool. And then he had a leather belt around his waist. Now, I don't know if he had a staff. That's in my head. I, I think probably he could have had one. Would have helped you with walking. But all it says in the Bible is he was a hairy man. And he had a leather belt tied about his waist. And when Ahaziah heard that description, he shook his head. And he probably pounded his fist on the bedpost. I know who it is. That's Elijah the Tishbite. Stupid Elijah. See, earlier God, in fact, the angel of the Lord, which many people think is Jesus pre-incarnate before he was born as Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, came to Elijah as the angel of the Lord, and said to him, get up and go. And I need you to confront these messengers. Get up and go. And so Elijah did. By the way, I want to say in the life of Elijah, six to seven times, God says, get up, go. And then he asks him to do something, and Elijah just does it. Man, I wish I was like that. You know, when God says, get up, go, do this. And I just did it. Instead of complaining or instead of getting too chicken. I mean, it must have been scary to confront these men. You know, they've got the power of the throne behind them. But God said to do it. Yahweh said to do it. So Elijah did it. I just think that's so cool. And Elijah got up and he went. And he confronted these men. Why? Because the angel of the Lord told him to do it. Well, Ahaziah, he's mad. He is furious. So he says, you know what, we're going to take this stupid prophet. He's, he's, he's a prophet of some old religion, some old ways, you know. We've got the new thing happening here with the worship of the Baals and the worship of Asherah. Yeah, we've got this thing. My dad was king for how many years? I've got this. And so he sends a captain with 50 men, 50 soldiers, to confront Elijah and to basically arrest him for giving him bad news. 
Well, the captain finds Elijah sitting at the top of a hill. And this captain, with his 50 soldiers, yells up to Elijah, Oh, man of God! The king says, Come down! And when the king says to do something, you normally do it. But you know what's great about Elijah? He doesn't serve the king. He serves the king of kings, the lord of lords. He serves Yahweh. And he says, if I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. And charred remains. Gone. Just like that. Fire came down from heaven. Burn all 51, including the captain. Gone. Like charcoal. And when the people heard of this, I don't know who saw it. I don't know who was alive to go back and tell Ahaziah. Well, they told him what happened. So Ahaziah, he's like, I'm not going to let Elijah get away with this. So he sends another captain with another 50 men. And this captain, he yells, Oh man of God, come down. This is the king's orc fire falls from heaven, burns up the second group of 51. The second group burns them up. See, I think it's neat. Fire, often in the Old Testament, represented the presence of God. And Elijah, we're going to see here, his life is full of fire, right? When he fought the 400 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, God answered by throwing down fire and burning up his offering. And here, charcoal, charcoal, dead. You don't mess with Elijah. He says, if I'm a man of God, God is going to burn you up. And these men, and particularly Ahaziah, they're doing something bad. They're trying to thwart the will of God. They're trying to be defiantly in his face and say, we're going to arrest your prophet. Well, God's not going to have anything to do with this. God's going to protect his man. God is punishing Ahaziah for what he's doing. Well, Ahaziah hears it happens again, so he sends a third captain. Well, this captain, I don't know if he's a partial Yahweh follower or if he's just smarter. Because he, when he gets there, instead of yelling up at Elijah's on the top of a hill, he runs up that hill and it says he falls down to his knees. And he asks, oh, Elijah, please, please, please don't burn me. Please, please, please let my life live. Uh, I'm, you know, he probably said, I'm, I'm only here because the, the king sent me. And it says, let my life be precious in your sight. And then he adds the life of my 50 men as well. Smart guy. He knew the power of God. He says, let my life be precious in your sight. Then it says, the angel of the Lord says to Elijah. I wonder if Elijah could see the angel of the Lord the whole time and nobody else could. I wonder if he saw the angel of the Lord sitting there or standing. Maybe they were both sitting on the mountain together, having a good chat about things. I don't know. 
But it's just the angel of the Lord. He tells Elijah, go. Another go. Go. You'll be safe. Go down with him. Don't be afraid. So Elijah walks down. He follows the man and his 50 soldiers back to the king. And he says to the king, probably looking down on him in his bed, all maybe his legs are broken and maybe he's in such pain he can barely move. And he looks down at Ahaziah. Looks at this sad, sad person. He could have followed Yahweh. But he chose Baal instead and he says, Listen, I'm just going to tell you what I said before. Because you inquired, because you asked what's going to happen to you of, of a pagan god, because you asked of the Lord of the flies instead of the God of Israel that you could have inquired and asked of because you chose a pagan god. You are not ever going to get up from this bed again. You shall surely die. So, Ahaziah died. Three years reigning, you know. What a pathetic, sad life. Lived for himself. Lost part of the land his dad had given him to the Moabites. Lost the Moabites. And got over 102 men killed. Because of his rash, stupid decisions. I mean, it just shows the power of Elijah, right? And that presence of fire shows you that God is with Elijah. Well... That fire, that power of the Lord, the power of presence in Elijah's life, it shows up one last time. Because the next part of the story here in 2 Kings chapter 2 is Elijah and Elisha are walking along. And we don't know the time between these stories and we're not certain how long this was, but this is the final days of Elijah. In fact, this is the final day of Elijah. And again, I wonder if he's walking so closely with Yahweh every day. And I wonder if the angel of the Lord is just talking to him. Again, Elijah sees him. No one else does. I don't know if the angel of the Lord said, hey, today's your last day, Elijah. Today's your last day. Today's your last day. You're going to be with me. You're going to be with Yahweh forever. Elijah wakes up. This is a great day. And the thing is, Elijah knew it was his last day. And you know who else knew it? Elisha knew that something was about to happen. He didn't know if this was going to be Elijah's last day here on earth or whether it was going to expand a little longer. But he knew his time with Elisha was running out. Because it says in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1, Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, it seems like everybody knew it. Elijah knew it. Elisha knew something was going to happen. Well, they were on their way to Gilgal from where they were in Samaria. 
And they stop there at Gilgal, and this is probably early morning. And Elijah and his apprentice, Elisha, are walking along, enjoying the day. And again, I wonder if the angel of the Lord is there right with them. The angel of the Lord says, hey, you need to go on to Bethel. Well, I don't know, but Elijah turns to Elisha and says, hey, Elisha, why don't you stay here? Stay here in Gilgal. I've got to go on to Bethel. And you know, it's a bit of a hike. It's a bit of a walk. Now, from Gilgal to Bethel is about eight miles, which in those days wasn't long. But Elijah wanted to save Elisha some walking, I think. And he says to Elisha, why don't you just stay here? Take it easy. I've got to go on to Bethel. But it says that Elisha looks at Elijah. He says, as the Lord lives, I will not leave you. See, Elisha, if you remember, was called to be the successor to Elijah. And he doesn't know exactly when it's going to happen, but Elijah called him. And Elisha left everything he had, which was quite a lot of wealth and a wealthy family, to leave it all to follow Elijah. He was called to this ministry of being the prophet of Israel, and he knew he was called to Elijah. So he's not going to give that up. And I don't know if this is test number one, where he could have said, you know, that is a bit of a walk. I don't know if I want to walk eight miles. Yeah, I think I'll stay here. Or is he being committed you know, if this is a test, or, or or instead, you know, is he going to stay here, take the easy route, or is he going to stick with Elijah? And he knows he's going to leave. Maybe he knew he was going to leave that day, and he didn't want to miss out on it. But either way, Elisha says, no way. No way. I'm sticking with you. As the Lord lives, I will not leave you. So they walked the eight miles to Bethel. Now, as soon as they get to Bethel, it says the sons of the prophets come running out to meet Elisha. And they separate Elisha from Elijah and they begin to whisper, hey, 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 did you know that today the Lord, Yahweh, will take away your master from over you? Like I said, everybody seemed to know it. I'm sure Elijah knew it. Elisha had a sense it was going to happen, I think. But here we have the sons of the prophets. Now, the sons of the prophets basically meant a group of men who were training, learning, being educated in the ways of Yahweh to become a prophet one day in their own town, in their own village. And they were learning to follow Yahweh. They were learning what it took to be a prophet. And something happened where they all got the same message from Yahweh, I am taking the head prophet, Elijah, I'm taking him out of here today. And so they came, and they didn't know if Elisha knew. And they all gathered around him. Hey, did you know your master's being taken away? Hey, did you know you And Elisha's like, shh, yes, be quiet. I know it. Keep quiet. Now, I don't know why Elisha said keep quiet. I wonder if he said keep quiet because he didn't want his master to know, but his master knew it. Or maybe he just was sad. He loved Elijah. Later on, Elisha calls him my father. I mean, that's how close a relationship the two had. I don't know. Well, they're at Bethel. 
And Elijah then later finds Elisha and says, hey, why don't you stay here? Because the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. So they've started in Bethel. And now Elijah says, I've got to go from Bethel to Jericho. The Lord sent me on. And, and that from Bethel down to Jericho is a descent of nearly 3,000 feet. I mean, it's basically a descent down the side of a mountain. This isn't an easy hike, and it's 12 miles from Bethel to Jericho. 12 miles, basically down the side of a mountain. Well, Elijah wants to give Elisha one last chance. Hey, do you want to stay here? It's a bit of a hike. Some people say it's harder to walk down a mountain than up a mountain, especially on the knees. This is difficult terrain. This isn't going to be easy. But again, Elisha responds, as the Lord lives, I will not leave you. So they hike. And I wonder what they talked about. I wonder if Elisha just listened and Elijah lectured him about this thing. And I wonder if he taught him how to make, you know, shelters out of pieces of wood so you can survive out on the desert. Or I wonder if he told him about the time when God whispered to him in that thin silence and how God didn't show up in the fire. But what an amazing experience that was. And God didn't show up in the earthquake. But man, what a thing it was to experience that. And I wonder if they talked about how he fought the prophets on Mount Carmel and he retold that story and they're walking along towards Jericho. And as they get closer, guess who comes running out again? It's the sons of the prophets. And they came out, a whole group of them. So Bethel had a group of the sons of the prophets. Jericho had a group of the sons of the prophets. And they come running out to him and they separate Elisha away. Hey, come here, Elisha, Elisha, come here. And he's like, I know what you're going to tell me. Come over, come over here. I know what you're going to do. You know that today the Lord's going to take your master from over you? And he goes, yes, I know it. Let's keep it quiet. Keep it on the download. Don't tell anyone. Elijah says, hey, the Lord has asked me now to go down to the Jordan River. I want you to stay here because the Lord, Yahweh, has sent me to the Jordan. Well, Again, tested. Are you going to stay? Are you going to follow? Well, Elisha says, as the Lord lives, I am not going to leave you. So now they've descended 3,000 feet, walked 12 miles. They previously walked 8 miles. So they've walked a total of 20 miles. And now, starting to get a little later in the evening. And now they've got to walk 6 miles from Jericho down to the Jordan. Six miles. So in this day, they've walked a total of 26 miles. 26 miles in one day. And it's starting to get dark. Well, it says as they approach the Jordan River, that those sons of the prophets, 50 of them, they also went and stood at some distance because they want to watch this whole thing. Elijah's going to disappear. Elijah's going to be taken away from them. And, and they're standing by the Jordan River. And, and not only that, Elijah and Elisha, they've got to cross this river. Well, this is a deep river. 
and it's got it's flowing fast and there's no bridge and you know this was a line of demarcation you don't just cross this river well elijah takes his cloak takes off his robe you know it was a cloak that they would use to sometimes sleep at night with or wrap themselves up and well he takes his cloak and he rolls it up into a tube-like shape and he raises it above his head and slap he strikes the water he only strikes it once and waves go out a little bit you know ripples out but then the ripples get bigger and bigger and bigger and the right side went to the right. The left side went to the left. It was parted, and they walked through the Jordan on dry ground. Who does this remind you of? Moses and the parting of the Red Sea. Talk about the power that Elijah had. And Elisha's probably amazed at this. And what if he had stayed at Bethel? He would have missed it. What if he had stayed at Gilgal? He would have missed it. What if he had stayed at Jericho? He would have missed it. And I want to say, kids, men, women, adults, don't miss out on seeing the wonders that God works by being lazy, by taking the easy route. Man, Elisha chose to keep following and walking 26 miles. It must have been exhausting, I think, at times to keep going. But he didn't want to miss out on what God is going to do and how God is going to work. And I hope we don't let our own laziness stop us from getting up and going to church that day, even though I may not want to, to see what God's going to do. Showing up to Sunday school because there might be something happening in that small group Bible study that'll change my life. I got to show up. Well, Elijah and Elisha, they walked across the Jordan River. And again, if it were me, if I were Elisha, I'd be running my finger in the water on the side, you know, trying. This is a wall of water. And they walked through on the other side. And then when they get to the other side, the water comes back. And it flows like normal. Can you imagine the 50 prophets looking at all this? What if they're like, yes, woohoo, and they're high five and they can't believe what they just saw, woo, and they're so excited, or are they just standing there in total awe? Could hear a pin drop. Well, they're standing there on the other side, and it's starting to get dark. They've walked 26 miles today, the sun's starting to set. And Elijah turns to Elisha, and he says, What can I do for you before I am taken away from you? And Elisha, after the miracle that he just saw, and then probably thinking back on the miracles that he's experienced with Elijah, and he's heard on this 26-mile hike about the wonders of God, he says, please, let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. Now, that sounds like Elijah is asking for more of the spirit upon him than Elijah had. And it seems like that's not what he was asking for. In those times, if you were the firstborn, you got a double portion. 
If you were the second born, you didn't get a double portion from your father. So when the father passed away, he passed a double portion onto the firstborn, basically saying, you are my inheritor. You gain all the rights. I give everything to you. Your brothers get a little less because you are the main man. And I think that's what Elisha is asking for here. Not so much, I want more than you. I want more power, more strength. No, he's saying, I want to inherit your position. And I want to live it out in your power and your strength. Please, I I want to be the next prophet of Israel. And I need you to pass it on to me. I I I want that. Elijah smiles. And he looks at him. He says, you have asked a hard thing. Which I think is interesting. Why he says it's a hard thing. You know, nothing's too hard for the Lord. I wonder if in the end, Elijah's saying, you have asked a hard thing in the sense that you don't know what it takes to be the head prophet of Israel. It's harder than you think to just get up and go when God tells you to go, to face 400 prophets of Baal by yourself, to not be afraid, to be in the presence of God, to understand all this stuff. You've asked a hard thing. But then a smile comes on his face, I think, again. Because I can imagine Elijah is facing Elisha. And Elijah looks over Elisha's shoulder. And he sees what's coming behind Elisha. He sees off in the distance this glowing fire. And right by the fire is this whirlwind. He says, you know what? You have asked a hard thing. And then he says, but if you see me being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me being taken from you, it shall not be so. In other words, if you see me being taken away, you're going to be the next prophet. But if not... The Lord's got something else. And he's smiling. And I can imagine Elijah puts his arm around him. And they just start walking together. And Elijah knows what's coming. Elisha has no clue. And it's getting darker and darker. And it says as they walk along, all of a sudden, it comes this burning, fiery chariot. Separates. Elijah from Elisha just comes between the two men. Maybe they feel the heat and they look over and they see a chariot of fire and it says horses of fire. And they back off and they separate from each other. And as they separate from each other, all of a sudden, that whirlwind grabs Elijah and He's gone. He's gone. And Elisha is standing there, probably with the wind hitting him in the face. He can't believe what he just saw. The the, the horses and the chariots of fire. And he just yells out, My father! My father, the chariot of Israel, and it's and it's horsemen. And then the Bible says simply this. And Elisha 
saw him no more. Elijah was gone. But Elisha looks down, and on the ground is that robe, that mantle. I don't know if you remember, but earlier when Elijah called Elisha to become his apprentice, he took his mantle or this this robe that, again, that he wrapped himself in. He had laid it on Elisha and said, come follow me. It was a sign that you're going to learn from me. And, And there's this mantle, this robe laying on the ground. And he picks it up. He takes this cloak, puts it on his shoulders. What's going to happen now? Elijah, the great, mighty prophet, is gone. What's going to happen to Elisha? Well, if you come back next week, we will find out. If you want to read ahead, read 2 Kings chapter 2. But I pray that we learn a lot from this story. And I am thankful for the life of Elijah. And I'm also thankful for the life of Elisha. And the Bible says that someday, Elijah, he's coming back to earth. And he's going to be here, preparing the way of the Lord when Jesus returns. And later on, Elijah shows up and he meets Jesus. Elijah and Moses with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. I mean, this is an amazing prophet. And I pray we learn a lot from his life. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.